1: Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, and you're listening to the Webby nominated podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Please also check out my other podcast, Kids Do Have Time to Read Books. I'm on Instagram at Zivvy Owens, and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books, and at Kids Do Have Time to Read. So please follow me. And if at any time you have suggestions, my email is zibby at zibbyowens.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks so much to my latest sponsor, the Mermaid Pillow Company, mermaidpillowco.com. They make these amazing pillows with sequins on the back and positive messages on the front, and they now even make custom pillows and blankets. It's an amazing company, and if you enter the code Zibby, Z-I-B-B-Y, you will get 10% off, which is super cool. So please check them out, mermaidpillowco.com. I'm so excited to be interviewing Catherine McCord today. Catherine is the author of Weelicious, One Family, One Meal. And Wheelicious Lunches, think outside the lunchbox, with more than 160 happier meals. A former model and culinary school graduate, Catherine started the popular mommy blog Weelicious in 2007. She also launched One Potato, an organic meal delivery kit company that donates one box of food to a family in need for every box sold. A Kentucky native, she currently lives in Los Angeles with her husband and three children. So welcome, Catherine. Thanks so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. I'm so excited to be on with you. <laughs> so you have these two amazing cookbooks, which I was just poring over and thinking to myself, I can never make food look this good, but now I'm going to try. <laughs> in your first book, "Delicious: One Family, One Meal, you say, I'm very familiar with the inner momologues. Why can't I make just one meal that satisfies everyone in our family? Why won't my kids eat anything I make them? So what made you want to dedicate your life to, to solving this problem for fellow moms?
0: well really it started with the fact that i went to culinary school i have traveled a lot in my life and like really like studied the way that people in other countries eat and feed their children and you know i was basically working in restaurants and catering companies and feeding adults and then i had my son and, you know, within six months, I was like, oh, my God, like, what do I feed you? Like, you're, you're this small person. And, like, how do we make you a great eater? And I started, like, going down the path of looking online for different resources on how to make kids great eaters from day one. And there was just such, a, you know, there wasn't a ton of information. Um, so that's how I set out um, with Weelicious.
1: Interesting. And you actually mentioned, speaking of when you were traveling all over in the book, you mentioned that you had been modeling and that the fact that you had been all over the world modeling enabled you to try lots of different foods. And I was thinking when I read that, wow, I feel like all I hear about models and traveling is that they don't eat anything at all. And here you are traveling around and getting to try all these foods. So I just wanted to hear, you know, how did you in your whole career to that point, at least like what inner monologues, monologues before you were a mom, were you relying on not to get sort of sucked into that whole model mentality and sort of appreciate the food?
0: Well, it's, I mean, I definitely, I've, I've always loved food. I mean, I grew up with grandparents who were into farming and, you know, like really loving the taste of real food. And, you know, there were definitely times like, I mean, total transparency, like I lived with a lot of girls who were, you know, going through a lot of different things. I imagine. (laughs) Yes. So it was, I mean, there were definitely more challenging times, but you know, for me, it's just like, I always loved food. And even as I've gotten older, that love is like, you know, deepened and especially like having children and watching them get excited about food. And, you know, it's like food is the one thing that we all have in common. So it's, you know, and for parents, like you have to feed your children 21 meals a week plus snacks. So it's something that's never going to
1: go away. So enjoying it is... I'm like stressed just hearing that. That, That's like making my...
0: (laughs) It'll make anyone not want to have children. You're like, what? I have to, what?
1: (laughs) (laughs) So you came from a family of food lovers in Kentucky. And you said in your book, actually, that your grandmother had a mason jar full of bacon grease next to the stovetop, which is just such a perfect detail. Thank you for that (laughs) visual. (laughs) But clearly your parents, like, did something right with you because you have figured this whole food thing out, basically. And now you're spreading the love for your kids. What do you think that your parents did right to to get you to this place with food?
0: You know, I think that they—I mean— First and foremost, it was every night. We had dinner five five thirty, right at the table. No technology, obviously, no TV, and just eating as a family. And I think that instilled community. And you know, I treasure that time as a mom. And then my parents just, you know, they didn't have a lot of resources, but the one thing that they would save for was a trip or two every year somewhere. So like going to Europe or, you know, even in the States, like they made traveling and exposure to, you know, different food, something that was like really fun and exciting for me. And, you know, became like a cultural experience.
1: Interesting. So the fact that I take my kids to the same two places all the time, is <laughs> not doing them any favors. Huh? <laughs> I will tell you, this was very funny
0: that our headmaster at my, uh, my kid's school, like six years ago said to my husband and I, You should always take your child, at least once a week, child children, to a different neighborhood, like a different cultural neighborhood to go out to eat. And we do this all the time with our kids, you know, going, I mean, luckily we live in LA, but like. Thai town, Japan town, you know, different Mexican or, you know, like different, uh, all kinds of different restaurants. And it is really fun to see how they react and how much more open they are to trying different foods, you know, with this strategy.
1: That's a really good idea. Okay. Thank it's you. Fun. Thank you for fun. <laughs> not making me cancel my upcoming flights. <laughs> <laughs> so you also wrote in your book that you felt that culinary school didn't prepare you at all for cooking with kids, cooking for kids. So do you think that there's anything culinary schools can do or is there anything, any classes or anything to prepare moms for what they're about to experience with, with kids and food coming up?
0: Well, I do. I definitely think just simplicity. I think that kids like crave just simple foods. I think that when you look at Wheelicious, even the most complex of the recipes are still simple and fun and, you know, easy. And I think that that's part of why, you know, kids don't want like 30, you know, depths of flavor and 30 ingredients. So just, you know, being able to, in culinary school, like the just simple preparations of foods, roasting a whole chicken, you know, grilling, steaming, just the basics are what we should all, you know, we there used to be home ec and there used Rice. to be like, cooking in school. And, you know, that got taken away. And I think that that's been like very challenging for certain people who were like, I just never learned to cook. You know, we're expected to know how to cook. But, you know, this generation, we we had alternatives like prepared food and food on the go. It, it, so it's not, that's why it's we're seeing a resurgence in it right now.
1: I remember one moment when my twins were really little, like freaking out in the kitchen and just like holding the frozen bag of peas like to my face and being like, How can I not figure
0: this out? <laughs> like this is it's so, hard. Simple.
1: Oh my gosh. But it's hard. Like once you get into the stress and the demands of in the moment with the kids, like it's hard to think straight about anything, let alone trying something new. Like maybe, oh. maybe everybody should spend like a week or two cooking for someone else's kids just to <laughs> get oh, a taste oh, of it. Oh
0: God, you <laughs> said it a hundred percent.
1: Oh my gosh. So talk to me about short order cook syndrome.
0: What is it? So, How can we avoid yeah. it?
1: <laughs>
0: well, I mean, I think that it's, you know, that for parents, it's always like You know, kid, you just, there's so many battles all day long. And when it comes to mealtime, you just want your child to eat. But what ends up happening is like Tommy wants mac and cheese, and Sarah wants, you know, grilled chicken, and, you know, your husband like wants. Pasta every night, and you're like, I'm literally making something different for everyone. So I always encourage people like, come up with a list of your family's 10 favorite foods, sit them down and help them, you know, make this list so that you, like, when you're at the grocery, you always have those 10 foods on hand. And like, what are three meals that everyone likes? And make sure you have those ingredients just either for busy nights or if you're meal prepping on the weekends or whatever it is. Like, I mean, I know my family's. You know, we get one potato three days a week, but the other we go out one night a week and then we I cook and the other three and I know exactly what they all love and I'm constantly just like rotating and you know, doing different twists on those those foods.
1: That's good. Yeah, I feel like it's impossible to get everybody happy. It's like one of those Lessons of Parenthood, right? It's exactly,
0: like- <laughs> exactly.
1: Wait, so talk to me about One Potato. This is your new organic meal delivery service. I The website looks amazing. And I'm like, why are they not shipping to New York City? Oh, I know. So tell me about this business. Are you now like running a full-scale meal delivery company on top of doing Wheelicious and obviously sort of making lunches for your kids? Like tell me about the business part of it and how you decided to start this business and tell listeners a little more about it.
0: Yeah, So I started with, I've actually had one potato for two and a half years. It's an organic family-friendly food company. We send two or three dinners every week to you. It's subscription-based, but you can skip any weeks you want the dinners take anywhere from 12 minutes to 30 minutes so it's semi prepared so tonight i'm having crispy salmon bowls so it's like it's pan seared salmon and then you might have like rice or quinoa and like all the sauces and grated <laughs> vegetables or whatever so it's very diy so everyone in the family can make exactly the meal that they want. Like everyone's bowls kind of look a little bit different, but it really takes like this meal tonight's like totally 12 to 14 minutes. It's super fast. So you don't have to grocery shop. You don't have to meal plan. Everything's really healthy. And we price based on what your family looks like. So we're the only company that, you know, can do like two adults and three kids or two adults and one kid or one adult and four kids. Right. So, you know, we make meals based on your family's eating habits, what you love most, you know, to save you money and uh, time.
1: And you said, it sounded like the meals were intended to be prepared with your kids too, not just for your kids. Is that true? A hundred percent. So, you know, we,
0: we see that children that cook with their parents or have an active part in the meal opposed to passively where, you know, it's like, here, eat this. They become better eaters. They are more excited to be part of the process, you know, from picking the meals to cooking to even cleaning. So that's really like part of One Potato's strategy is, you know, to incorporate the kids in mealtime.
1: And you had a lot of good tips for incorporating the kids, even with the grocery shopping and playing different games in the grocery. Everything,
0: everything. <laughs> um, what
1: are what were some of the tips in the book about how to make grocery shopping fun with your kids? You had some games where you had to like search down the aisles and I don't know, I found myself getting really excited for my next shopping trip, thanks to that chapter.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it really is. It's like super simple, but it's everything. Like if you bring your child, like we already know, it's going to add some time. So we don't want to do that. We want to shorten it as much as possible and actually have your child leaving being excited to try a healthy food. So if you're in the fruit and vegetable I'll say you can pick any one vegetable you want and one fruit you want? Or, you know, do you want carrots or apples? Like make a, you know, give them a choice, but within your parameters. And just like I spy games. Can you find, you know, Depend. it just depends on your child's age, um, but like keeping them engaged in in the shopping experience as well. Yeah,
1: I liked how you said you could bring little shopping lists and they could do like a scavenger hunt and check them off as they went.
0: Totally, it makes it so much fun. Yeah, I feel like my kids would really
1: like that. (laughs) Yeah, I love it. You said in the book, and I've heard this. A million times before, but I continue to ignore it that kids need to try a food fifteen times or so to actually like it, that you can't give up after a time or two. I feel like I just don't have the patience for this after a whole meal is on the table and they try it. I'm just like, okay, they don't like whatever it is. How mm-hmm. can you encourage, and I know your your book itself did a great job and now I'm more convinced than ever that I'm doing this all <laughs> wrong. As if I needed more convincing. So convince me that it really is worth the time to keep having the kids try the same foods, even though it seems like like they hate them.
0: Well, it, let's let's take broccoli, for instance. So you steam some broccoli. So first let's put some hummus next to it. so like try dipping it in the hummus or start maybe even by trying it plain. Um, and then the hummus. and then that doesn't work. So you go to Braggs, um, which is like soy sauce, but with amino acids and B vitamins in it. And then they can spray that or they can squirt it on their plate and dip it. And that doesn't work. And you try sesame seeds the next day and you just keep going down the line until you find something that makes it an active experience for kids and that adds to the nutrition. Maybe you roast it. Maybe you air fry it. It's just, you know, I mean, I can take like basically any food and, you know, reimagine it 15 different ways until my kids end up, you know, loving it.
1: So it's not that I have to give them steamed broccoli 15 nights in a row it's that I can continue to change the way I prepare the broccoli to find a way that they might like it
0: 100%.
1: Okay, well that's that's better.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean that's that's just the weelicious way because I think you know you and by the way you can still do it. and by the way eat also if you do get broccoli buy a $1.99, $2.99 organic bag of frozen broccoli so that you have it for those 12, 15 days opposed to buying a whole head and steaming it every day. And you're like, how much money did I just go through? And, you know, you know, Timmy's still not eating it. So I think it's, you know, also because frozen is a great option. It's picked at the peak of perfection and frozen. So it's a good uh, way to save money, but also to keep trying it night after night.
1: I always feel like frozen vegetables or fruits are like a shortcut, like I'm doing something wrong if I'm not buying it fresh.
0: Do you know, like, but that's a good, no? no. Oh, they're the best. Oh my God. My freezer always has like every frozen vegetable known to man because then you can add it to smoothies or have it for like last minute dinners where you're like, I gotta get a veggie in there.
1: Interesting. I loved how there was one part in your book where you're like, you, I guess you go to the farmer's market every Sunday and shop for dinner, which just sounds so lovely, and I want to be able to do that. And then one day it was raining or something, and you couldn't get to the farmer's market, so you had to take what you had and whip it up, and it, you, you came out with this like gourmet frittata that looked Insane. Mm. <laughs> I was thinking, oh my gosh, how is she doing this? It's so great. But, but anyway, but your recipes are so they look so easy to follow, and you know they make sense, and there aren't all these random ingredients. So I'm really super excited to mm. try to emulate that at least.
0: <laughs> Thank you.
1: <laughs> so you have is, is this right? You have a smoothie cookbook coming out next?
0: Yeah, I still haven't announced it, but for for you and I, yes, oh, sorry, <laughs> it's coming I'll take out. This out. No, not at all. Not at all. No, cat's not out of bag. It's all good. Cat's so, the smoothie project cookbook is something that I've been working on for four years, based on my son getting very sick with oh, headaches no. and nausea. And it's a long story you get to read in the book, but how just by changing his diet uh, and adding in a smoothie every morning with fruits and vegetables, and it still tastes absolutely delicious. But you know, different foods that will fire up our brains. I and mean, it really is birth to AARP how smoothies will change your life. Wow.
1: So tell me about the process of writing these two cookbooks. How did you pick which recipes to include? What was the process like? Did you love it? Did it take a long time, a short time? What was it like (laughs)
0: Well, considering I'm still in copy edit right now, (laughs) it is true a labor of love, this book, because I've been working on it for four years every single day. So really, it was just so much. I I hadn't even thought about doing it as a book, but the audience, you know, the wheelish is like... um, Family followers just kept saying, you know, like, I want these recipes and I need to understand more. And I think that especially when it comes to smoothies, it can be a little intimidating, but it's the easiest way to like cook, not cook for even the person that doesn't cook to toss it in your blender and come up with these like delicious combinations that are just so good for your body. So it's the, all the recipes in it. There's over hundred recipes and they've been tested, you know, over and over again for the past four years.
1: And some of the things, just to go back to some of the earlier cookbooks, when you said some of the tricks for making kids more into their meals are things like keeping it colorful and sort of engaging all your five senses. So if I'm making a meal for my kids for dinner tonight, like, what tips would you give me for making it look more enticing or just be more enticing?
0: Oh, I mean, for dinner tonight? Oh, God. Or or lunch or something or whatever (laughs) I I have to Yeah. So, I mean, whether it's lunch or dinner, and that's a great point, it's like you want it to be engaging visually as well as tasting delicious. So, you know, even when I send my kids with her lunch, it's in a bento style lunchbox so they can see their choices. And I try to add, always have something that's like crunchy, something smooth, something, you know, more toothsome, like having one note isn't always, you know, the best for children. You'll learn also just from trying what they love most. I mean, some kids like for lunch want more of a snacky kind of lunch Mm -hmm. and others want like soups and stews and macaroni and cheese and like something that's just like more heavy. So learning, you know, what, you know, that your plate should have color. We don't want it all white and it should have different tastes and textures
1: throughout. And you even recommend in your lunchbox, book, think outside the lunchboxes, which was so funny, that Mm -hmm. you like certain vendors and certain actual lunchboxes a lot more than others. Are there any things, aside from it being a bento style, that we can do to make lunch at school when we have to pack it more appealing? The actual containers? Yeah, I
0: know. I mean, I love a reusable container because you're saving money and it's, you know, if your food's not sitting on plastic, it's easy for kids. They know it's the same thing and not just another brown paper bag where they have to like fish around for their food. So I think that that's incredibly important too. But just, you know, like, you know, all those weird tools in your kitchen where you're like, what's a, why do I have a melon baller or a peeler or something? You know, make melon balls for your kids or you, know, you can even make kiwi balls, like cutting things in different shapes and maybe putting a dip. And I, for me, like, we don't want lunch to take more than, you know, 10, 15 minutes. It should be fast to prepare, but just making it a little bit more fun and engaging.
1: And you had said that, Teachers even were commenting that by the time the kids figure out how to open all the different compartments and of traditional type lunch boxes with their meals, that they were out of time basically, right? So to make it as easy as possible for them to get their food when you're making a lunch every you should make everything as nutrient dense as possible
0: trying to get as much cuz it's easy to eat the crackers that have like not as many nutrients but like if you can make a sushi sandwich with hummus in it already that you're getting that vegetarian protein and you're getting a really nutritious carbohydrate with the bread you choose
1: Hmm. I was taking my daughter to school today and telling her about this interview, and I was like, I don't think I can allow you to look at this cookbook, though, because you will see <laughs> how badly my meals for you are in comparison. But
0: <laughs> You're so funny. You're so funny.
1: <laughs> no, she's actually excited to now do it with me. So that's, that's like, your whole goal, right?
0: Yes, that's the win-win. I mean, we want kids, like, especially, you know, she'll be empowered if she's making her lunch with you. It's, like, it's just so cool and so much fun.
1: I loved how you said that, you know, kids have so little choice, right? And that when they go play in their playroom it's so freeing because they can we let them do whatever, like take this out, take that out, do whatever. But when it comes to food, we only give them a couple things and we're like you have to eat this now. And that that sort of dictation level, dictatorship of overeating is yeah. part of the the problem and that by giving them more choice, they'll they'll eat more, right? Exactly, exactly. So those were all excellent tips. Well, do you have any advice for the mom out there who's? I mean, I know your, all your books are just full of this fantastic advice, but just somebody today who's like about to have to go through the chaos of dinner time again. What what encouraging words would you have to tell this mom?
0: Don't be scared. Like really, dig in there. Make it an active experience with your kids. Like I said, go in and. Write down the 10 foods they love, write down the three dinners they want you to be making more of that you may not have known that you, they loved. Take them to the grocery, grow something in the garden with them together. It's just like there's endless ways to get kids excited to be trying new foods and making it easy for parents.
1: And what about for the aspiring cookbook writer, somebody who's dying to write about food? Do you have any advice for them? Start
0: yeah, I think that it's like really keep a diary every day of like what you're making, what you love, what you're you know, when you feed it to other people that they react to. And just don't be scared. Make it make it a passion project.
1: Excellent. Well, thank you so much for coming on Mom's of Time to Read Books and for all of your advice and for helping parents everywhere get through a really tricky part of the day. So (laughs) thank you so much for having me. Thanks, Catherine. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thanks again to my sponsor, Mermaid Pillow Co. MermaidPillowCo.com slash Zibby. Enter code Zibby for 10% off. Thanks so much. Check out those really awesome, giftable pillows and blankets. Thanks for listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. You can follow me on Instagram at MomsDon'tHaveTimeToReadBooks and at Zibby Owens. And my new podcast, At Kids Do Have Time to Read. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Thanks for listening. You can always email me at zibby at zibbyowens.com. Have a catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well...